And welcome to Detention. We are back, and it is summertime, baby. Oh, yeah. All right. So do you want to kind of discuss a little bit of why we've kind of had a little hiatus here? Yeah. So a couple weeks ago for Memorial Day weekend, I went uh, to a zoo and contracted the Rona. The Rona. The Rona. And so when I figured it out, it was, I think, I think it was Sunday. I don't know. It was a day that we had some time, but got that so we couldn't come over here to record and then the next week you were gone i was on uh vacation to oddly enough same destination <laughs> but came back clean that a boy so um we're back yeah we're back it was it was a good vacation though what do you think of it i thought it was great i mean we, oh, we should preface we didn't go on the same vacation obviously. right <laughs> we went to the same place at different times mine was just a couple weeks later right but and you didn't Almost die. No, didn't almost die. That was a terrible week for me. Pretty bad symptoms. Not, so it wasn't as bad as a lot of people, but I had one really bad day Mm -hmm. that I could barely stand without feeling dizzy. And my girlfriend asked me why I didn't go to the doctor. I was like, I can barely stand, let alone drive. So, no. And then the next day I went to the doctor, um, figured out I had Rona and didn't go to work and Everything was fine after that, but it, it was one bad day, and then two days later, I was perfectly fine, and okay. I just had to wait the period that I needed to, so it didn't take very long, but it sucked. Yeah, I could believe it. I'm still, um, I don't have any wood in here except right there. <laughs> um, haven't gotten it yet, so hopefully well, that stays true. Well, we'll just move straight on into dad jokes. Let's get back to it. Uh, we're going to actually start cutting it down to one dad joke a day just to minimize uh not confusion but transition yeah yeah fluidity so i'll do it this week and then eric will do it next week and we'll just keep doing it that way so Mm -hmm. dad joke of the day ready yep two guys walk into a bar third guy ducks oh (laughs) i had to think i'm like two guys where okay is the punchline coming next i'm like oh no they walked into the bar yep third guy ducked all right. Well, the third guy is much smarter than the first two. Yeah, you'd be the third guy. Me? Uh, oh, yeah. You think I would be the third guy? Oh, yeah. You would duck because you would see me walk into a bar. <laughs> I guess. I would have thought that I've been walking in first, and then I smack my forehead, <laughs> and then you're like, well, fucking idiot. How would you? Yeah. And then Honestly, you chances are we'd probably walk into it at the same time. <laughs> they probably would. We'd be the first two, and then whoever the fuck's with us is good. Yeah. Are you idiots. Our girlfriends. Oh, there you go. There we go. Us two walking to the bar head first, and they're like, fucking idiots. Well, my girlfriend's so short, she could just duck under everything. Mine, too. So <laughs> that could probably be a benefit for them. All right. Uh, going into sports talk, football. Um, th- some of these are going to be somewhat older news stories um, as we go through it, but hopefully some of the updated stories will begin a little bit more relevant to uh, current news. But for football, um, Cardinals, quarterback, quarter cornerback uh jeff gadley dies at age 25 in a car crash um he took it was around 2 30 ish a.m on monday may 30th according to the dallas county sheriff's department um he was driving a white vehicle that was then overturned when officers had arrived uh, dallas fire rescue confirmed that two people a male and a female were dead inside that vehicle uh, according to the D- Dallas County Sheriff's Department, the crash involved two vehicles. 
according to the pre- preliminary information, Gladney's vehicle was speeding and clipped the vehicle, vehicle in front of it, losing control before hitting a beam on Woodall Rogers Freeway in Dallas. Uh, the two people in the other vehicle were not injured. Um, Gladney was a first-round pick at a TCU back in 2020 by the Minnesota Vikings, who did uh, unfortunately release him in August um, after he was indicted on a charge of assault involving a former girlfriend in April 2000, or 2021. Um, again, he was only 25 years old. He did sign with the Cardinals in March after that jury f- found him not guilty of that felony assault charge. So assuming he was on the up and up in his career, trying to put all of his past behind him, and then unfortunately life cut short at a young age. Um, I mean, it's pretty sad. I mean, we're both 27. So think of it like, He's, he's younger than us, right. and he's he's passed. It's you know life is fragile. That's one of the things he keeps pointing out to me. Yeah. Um, moving into the new cover for Madden's um, football game, twenty twenty three has been released. The cover has, and it is of John Madden, which makes sense. It does. I mean, the first uh, what five or six or whatever game covers were of him when the f- games first came out in the late 90s, early 2000s or something like that? Yeah, uh, his first one was in 88. He was on that. And then it came back in the late 90s, and he was on them for, I think, the first three. But then the next five had his face on the logo in the bottom right-hand corner. Yeah. And I think the first one without him on it was 2005 with Donovan McNabb. Yeah. And then this is his first one since then because he perished. So, yeah, I think, I think it's fitting. We'll see. There, chances are it'll be on there again sometime in the future, like 50th anniversary or something like that, probably. Something like that. I also don't know why for, like, the um, more expensive bundle that you can get for the Madden games, why don't they just have him as that the recurring cover at, every year? Yeah, you have your own Madden cover for the regular game for whichever player you want, but then for, like, the – legacy edition or whatever it's called that's a little bit more expensive or the limited edition one just continuously have him i think that'd be good yeah i mean he was a pioneer for it anyway exactly um also within the last couple weeks the um they call it the match for a golf event for charity between um it's typically uh two afc and then two nfc quarterbacks playing in a golf match and Las Vegas. This year's it was Brady and Rogers versus uh, Mahomes and Josh Allen. And for this year, Brady and Rogers beat Mahomes and Allen in the golf match at Wynn Golf Club in Las Vegas. Um, it was a very close match, from my understanding. It was only down to the last couple strokes, where it was on the 12th hole and the final hole that Rogers uh, beat Joe. Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes on a 15-foot putt. Um, throughout the entire coverage of the golf event, there seemed to be a lot of good camaraderie between the quarterbacks and then also the commentators that were um, watching the golf game as well. Um, Charles Barkley made a bet that if Allen made an 80-foot putt, he would jump into the pond that was on the golf course. And uh, it looked like it was a really good line. It was coming in strong, and then Allen just missed it by a few inches at the end. So uh, Barkley was pretty happy he didn't have to go jump in the lake after that. I thought it was funny that if he did anyway, that would have been awesome. 80-foot putt is a tremendous putt to do, even for pros. Um, 
I'm just saying Brady keeps winning, man. It's in his blood. But Rodgers is the one that made it, got him to win. But so. it's Brady's team. Let's be real. Brady's team. It's Brady's team. That's why his name is first. Okay. <laughs> well, this anecdote at the end here is what I thought was one of the funniest things that happened for the entire event was that uh, Josh Allen had balls that were made, golf balls that were made, that had Tom Brady's combine photo on them. <laughs> and then just walked over to Tom Brady. He was like, remember that? And Brady was kind of laughing about it. And then so later on in the match, Brady responded with golf balls that had the Lombardi trophy on them. And then went and said, hey, Josh, hey, Josh, you know what that is? <laughs> <laughs> so I thought that was great. Uh, like I said, the camaraderie throughout the entire day was uh was pretty fun. Obviously, as it got down towards the stretch, the competitive competitiveness in him came right. out, where there weren't it, they weren't like being chippy, but it was very much like, oh crap, <laughs> I don't want to lose. So it was, I thought it was pretty good. Um, Frank Gore, who we've talked about before earlier on our uh, podcast in the first couple episodes, um, he had retired. He is now actually going to be signing a one day contract. So he'll, he'll retire as an official 49er. That's which, awesome. Which is great. Um, the 49ers announced that he will sign a one-day contract and retire as a 49er. He spent 10 of his 16 seasons with the San Francisco 49ers um, from when he was really originally drafted in 2005 up to 2014, where he was drafted third round in the 65th pick overall. During his time in San Francisco, he became the franchise leader in career rushing yards with 11,703 uh, and touchdowns with 64. Uh, his 13,956 yards from scrimmage total are second only to wide receiver Jerry Rice in the franchise. So if you're up in second with Jerry Rice, Frank Gore, it's a pretty elite company there. Um he will also be inducted into the franchise's Edward DeBartenthal Senior Hall of Fame during a game during the 22 football season. As he should. He put a lot into that franchise. Oh, yeah. I would say a lot of their success during that time frame when, they, I mean, they, huh? weren't, they weren't really good. Right. But any success that they had, I would almost exclusively give it to him. Well, I don't... He, he, he was a solid piece there that was – I think part of the reason why they're so good now is because he kept them afloat enough to build around and make pieces that they weren't great, obviously, but they were they were doing enough to yeah. build the right culture, and I think he's a huge part of that. And he was a big risk on draft day. I mean, when he was at Miami, uh, he had t already torn his ACL twice. <laughs> so coming into being drafted and being a you know the workhorse for the offense for a while. Um, having those injuries is, and he had injuries throughout his entire career and he was still very effective. So, uh, shout out to Frank Gore retiring as a 49er, uh, another NFL star. I mean, Fitzmagic, Ryan Fitzpatrick is retiring. Um, after 17 years in the NFL, he was initially drafted by the St. Louis Rams in 2005. Uh, he played nine of his friend or he played most of his career, with the Rams, but kind of in nine different franchises over the years. Um, for three NFC teams and then six AFC teams, um, he has a total of 34,999 or 900 passing yards um, 
has a decent touchdown to interception ratio. It's not not the best, but here's why I thought was pretty interesting. He has over 2,500 rushing yards as a quarterback and 21 rushing touchdowns. Please tell me you figured out what his uh, draft pick was so you could tell people because it's ridiculous that he has those numbers with where he got drafted. Um, I did have it up. I know he was drafted seventh round. Right. Uh, 250th. Yeah. Overall. So there's from Harvard, an Ivy League school who gets zero NFL prospects. There are two quarterbacks that I know of in NFL history that were picked in one of the very last rounds that became really, really good. Tom Brady and Ryan Fitzpatrick. And Ryan Fitzpatrick was like a, a journeyman, but he always brought life, at least to the team. Maybe not the game per se, but. Oh, no, I think everybody, if you were to ask former players from any team that he was on, locker room or sideline, I'm sure they would all say, man, he was the life of it. Because he seemed like it. I mean, even when he played, again, he's a backup traditionally, but if you were to be starting, I mean, for the time that he was at the Bucks, where he had to jump in, he was doing okay. It wasn't bad, but he was, I mean, Jameis Winston wasn't performing as well, and he stepped up. And at least brought them into at least having some competitive competitiveness in games. Why can't you say that word today? It's a stumble on me. Okay. But, I mean, watching him play was entertaining. Yeah. It was, and, I mean, he's got that big, boastful personality. He always walked out with, like, a white collared shirt that was slightly uh-huh. unbuttoned. And he has long beard. And he just kind of looked like he was, <laughs> looked more like a own, uh, owner's son than a player. Right. But loved the personality. Um, also former Iowa players, Josh Jackson and Ben Neiman have signed with the Arizona Cardinals where Neiman had been with the chiefs previously for the past four seasons. He is now going to be with the, uh, Arizona Cardinals and Jackson jumped, uh, around a little bit from the Packers where he was initially drafted going from the Packers to the giants chiefs on just practice practice squad only for the chiefs. And then now he's with the Cardinals as well. So hopefully, Former Iowa players can get some playing time. I know the defense for the Cardinals did need a little bit of work because they kind of fell apart towards the last third of the season. The offense was doing great. Defense just kind of fell off. Hopefully they can be used as valuable pieces for that. Well, Neiman, I'm not going to say he was a crucial part of the Chiefs defense, but he was an important part. Oh, yeah. He came in um, as kind of a relief for Swanson at times, Mm -hmm. um, as well as just being a normal – uh, right or left linebacker. Yeah. So he, he he's he's a solid player, so I think he'll get some good playing time with the Cardinals. Um Josh Jackson, he's he's a talented player and I think he just hasn't been able to show it yet. Uh, he he had really good uh plays and spurts with the Packers, but it just didn't work out. I mean their secondary is also pretty good. Yeah. So I'm sure once they got Alexander, they didn't. Yep. I mean they say exact same position i think on the same side of the field Mm -hmm. so it's like yeah jackson is talented but he's not alexander talented so you don't really need him in there as much move on to basketball now my favorite topic and first and foremost congratulations to lebron james becoming the first active player in the nba or any sport uh worth one billion dollars uh, I think the only other basketball player who has done that is Michael Jordan, and that was after he retired. Kobe did, too. Kobe. He, he got a billion? Yeah, he, he got a net worth of a billion after he retired, too. 
So, I mean, but congratulations to James for doing that in while still playing. It's super impressive. Um, the finals for the NBA is over, and it was the Warriors in six. I was close when I said in five, but it was the Warriors in six. I, I don't know if you saw this on our Twitter page for the Detention Podcast. Before the finals had started between the Warriors and the Celtics, I made a tweet saying, Warriors in six. Did you really? And then once uh, the Celtics went up 2-1, I'm like, shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, it should have been five if the Warriors didn't piss away the first game, but that's, that's what happens. Yeah, that's true. Um, it is the Warriors' fourth NBA title in eight seasons. Steph Curry was awarded the NBA Finals MVP. Uh, the Warriors are also the first franchise since MJ's Bulls to make the finals six times in eight seasons, which is super impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that I kind of wanted to touch on with the game, and this is what I was surprised about, is everyone talks about how great Jason Tatum for the uh, Boston Celtics is and how he's the superstar. And I don't completely agree with that. And something that I found interesting was Stephen A. Smith after the game made a really good point saying that Tatum had no heart in the game, which is weird because it's a game six elimination game in Boston. Yeah, home crowd. And the reason he said he has no heart is because he didn't score in the second half. Dude had 13 points in the whole game, got 11 of them in the second quarter. Mm -hmm. Maybe he scored once in the second half or it was before, but even if he did score those two points in the second half, Two points from a quote-unquote superstar, home court. Dude had no heart. He had no drive. He, he didn't have a dog in the fight. I was watching the pregame coverage where they had the panel with Stephen A. Smith on it, and basically he was saying two things, or the panel was saying two things. Jalen Rose was also on the same page of um, Smith of like, well, one, if Boston can limit their turnovers, they can win. They're one in seven in the entire final series that they played so far against various teams that they have like 16 16 turnovers or more they lose basically so if you can limit turnovers that should help you also no player in the entire series for any team that they've played up until the finals had ever scored more than 28 points in a game no one on their entire roster including jason tatum so when i was watching it i didn't actually watch the game but i was following it on my phone and i saw at the end of the first half that he had 13 i'm like he can get 15 in the second half in home court. Like, that should not be a problem to at least get 28 mm-hmm. or more points. They did end up having a different player get, like, 34 points on their roster. I think it was Jalen Brown. But it was like, it took you, you are, like you said, it's the elimination game and you're at home. How do you not have at least some type of just, I am right. not giving up? Jason Tatum is the first player in NBA history to have 100 turnovers in a postseason. That's crazy. That's ridiculous. That's insane. But again, you know what? Congratulations to the Warriors. I, I called it. I'm happy. I'm, I'm cool. I'm cool. Yeah. Uh, we'll, <clears throat> excuse me. We'll move on to another basketball-related topic, is that the NBA draft is on Thursday, and we will break that down next week. I can't wait to talk about uh, where Keegan Murray lands, see how that's going to play out. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll move on to hockey still going on right now. It is the Stanley cup finals right now. And it is the Colorado avalanche versus the, excuse me, Tampa Bay lightning. The avalanche swept the Oilers in 
their last round in Lightning zapped the Rangers in six. But the Avalanche have been taken names. In the first game, they won in overtime four to three. That was a really crazy game. I watched it. Tampa Bay scored two goals in two minutes in the second period. Nothing happened in the third. It was a crazy game. But yesterday, they played again, and the Avalanche blew them out 7-0. to Yeah, I saw that. I was uh, out around downtown last night, and I just saw in the news at night when they were covering different stuff that they had blown them out 7-0. to I'm like, oh, shit. I got the score on my phone. And I was just like, are you fucking kidding me? I mean, like, it, I, that's not a weird score to see in hockey, but like in the regular season. Yeah. Not in the fucking finals. <laughs> no. And I mean, especially how good the Lightning have been. I mean, right. they've won two straight Stanley Cups, I think. Yeah. They're going for their third. Yeah. So you would think they'd at least have a little bit more to give than going down two games already. Pun intended, but the Avalanche are rolling. Uh, yeah. Very much so. Uh, finishing up sports here with some Iowa sports. Um, the tailgating season is upon us, Woo-hoo. and we know that because we already bought our mini uh, ticket passes for this football, next football season. Um, so we're going to be going to the Iowa State, Northwestern, and Nebraska games. Oh, yeah. They're pretty evenly spread out throughout the season, so we're going to get a nice kind of probably hot, comfortable, cold games. If we do not get three dubs with this, I'm rioting. Um, it's going to be tough because, you know. The only one I'm worried about is Northwestern. Iowa State sucks. But Campbell has never beaten Ferentz, and it's yeah. going to happen at some point. No, Same thing with Scott Frost. Scott He's, Frost is in a, so much turmoil, and his they've been program having, is a shit show. Nebraska has had so many good transfer players come in this offseason. Um it's looking a little scary, but again, if you can if you can't manage your players, then yep. I guess it doesn't matter. But I'm calling them now. Three dubs. You call them all three? All three dubs. They're all. I guess two of them are trophy games. Yes. So that's going to be a little bit more of a I don't know different aspect of the game as well. We've gone to an Iowa State game before in the past together. Mm-hmm. Um, we won forty-five to three. Yep. I think we've gone to a northwestern one mm-hmm. yeah they've lost yep <laughs> um and then we've have we gone to a nebraska one together i don't think we have i don't think so either i know i've gone with my dad but i don't know if we've gone together oh it's gonna be our first nebraska game together. it is it is so hopefully they can go three for three on that <laughs> Um, in recruiting news, Iowa did sign a four-star running back recruit, uh, Kedrick Raphael, from Florida. Um, he is the 11th commit in Iowa's 2023 class and is the first running back commit for the Hawkeyes in this uh, particular class. Um, Raphael is kind of, I don't know, not stats, but just kind of overall assumption of him as a player they've said that he is an elusive back with good speed and burst in the open field um they do have a criticism that he should get a little bit bigger but again he's a high school player and he's got another year in high school to kind of develop himself get a little bit bigger plus the iowa program is known for making you huge so i'm assuming that yeah that should be pretty quick if he's dedicated to it he shouldn't have an issue um but he has great speed that can make up for his kind of lack of size at the moment. He can also be a threat in the passing game, which is, I think, desperately needed. 
Yeah. Just in the sense of like, at least in the last several seasons that we've seen, the offensive line hasn't been a hundred percent effective at trying to get um, blocks hold and then making sure that the running backs have good clear lanes to get through. So if he's coming out of the backfield, not just to run, but to come up and get a quick little pass underneath, that should be a, a do you see him easy. being kind of like an Akram Wadley back? Um, I think he'll be bigger. I think he's bigger than Akram Wadley size wise, but Hype. just the elusiveness and how he plays. Um, I think he can or more be Tyler Goodson. I think he's going to be more Tyler Goodson. Gotcha. I think Akram Wadley had the shifty feet. Mm-hmm. Um, between Wadley and Goodson, I would say Goodson was overall more skilled. Yes, I think. Uh, Wadley had the better offensive line to, yeah. facil- to facilitate him being successful. Right. So who knows what how good how good he could have been if he had a better offensive line. Mm-hmm. Um, but with how this offensive line was young and is now continuing to work together, pieces should fit in a little bit easier. I think they can move forward and be um, better for uh, this recruit. As well as, speaking of offensive linemen, the nation's top offensive lineman uh, has come down to having just two picks. So, Caden Proctor, um, who is a Southeast Polk here in the state of Iowa, um, class of 2023, five-star offensive lineman, has officially narrowed his decision down to either Alabama or Iowa. Um, obviously Iowa for being in state and Iowa has been on him since he basically entered high school. So it was one of the first offers that he's ever had. And then obviously Alabama being Alabama. Um, he was scheduled to take official visits to Penn state, Oregon and Michigan, all really good power five schools. Um, but he will no longer be taking those trips. Um, and instead we'll just take an official visit to Iowa this coming weekend, the 24th through the 26th. Um, and you had a good anecdote of why he was kind of wanting just to focus and cancel those trips and just focus on Iowa. Yeah, so he was saying that he has been wanting to focus on his last year with his team at Southeast Polk, and all these um, trips and offers have taken away from practices and cohesiveness with his team that he he said he appreciates all the offers and everyone looking at him, but he wants to narrow it down to those two because he knows those two places, Alabama and Iowa, are going to be the schools that will make him what he wants to be. And that way he can focus on his uh, teammates and just those two schools. So really mature for someone his age. Oh, yeah. And from this article that we're reading from Hawkeye Insider, it says that one of the reasons why he's really kind of keen on Iowa is that they're not blowing up his phone as much as other coaches do. But they do stay in touch, and they build relationships with them, and they want him to come there to at least see their facilities and show that they actually care for him. So that's kind of a nice thing, um, showing some respect to the coaching staff there. All right, finishing up with sports, now we're going into our news events. Um. One thing that I had saw a few weeks ago now that was going through the Iowa, or not the Iowa, the um, House of Representatives, um, is that there was a oil and gas price gouging bill. Um, obviously, if you are living in the United States or just in the world, I mean, the world's even worse. Yeah. Other countries in Europe and Asia are having way worse times than we are. Yes. Um, but even here in the United States, it's really bad with how high gas prices are getting. 
I mean, I think I was at Casey's the other day, and it was four fifty nine, which is the highest it's ever been in my lifetime. Remembering it's four sixty seven, and oh, I saw four seventy recently. When you're going from Cedar Rapids today, or when I was in Cedar Rapids yesterday, um, I saw four seventy at most gas stations, but I found E eighty five for three ninety two, and I filled it up. I filled up my car. I saw a three, and I got excited. Filled up my car and it was still fifty six bucks. Yeah, I mean it's getting insane. Um, so what this purpose of this bill was supposed to do is that the whole point is obviously gas companies are still having record production, even though they're not drilling in some of the areas that have been allotted for them to actually start drilling, uh, which the Biden administration says we're giving you permission now to actually start drilling in those areas that we previously said hold off on, but since we're in a quote unquote shortage that you can now do that without any issue. Um, it seems to me that a lot of these oil companies are using the uh, Ukrainian war crisis as a reason to kind of price gouge where it is okay for companies during times of political turmoil or what have you that they can, charge for commodities at a higher rate just because they're not sure how the market's going to be, which makes sense. But to a point, it gets too far when you can see that they still have plenty of reserves and they're still producing even more than that they were before. Prices should not be this high. So why are they this high? So the uh, federal government was trying to pass a bill that would then basically make it so that there's a cap at a certain point that you cannot just keep price gouging a because price yeah because yeah, you are at this point just trying to line your own pockets and it's pretty obvious. So I went through the house. I'm going to give you a guess. Do you know who voted against it? Republicans. Republicans. Pretty much every Republican uh, voted against it. While they will still continue to be jumping on Joe Biden about jumping it. on Joe Biden about how he's ruining the economy and gas prices are high because of him, which I'm going to tell you now that the president does not have effect on just basic commodity prices. He does. And he doesn't, there are he certain, more doesn't than he does. Like there's certain things he can do, but it would take executive order and actions for that to happen. And yeah. from his record of what he's done with those, it's, it's not going to have an effect on gas prices. The thing that's just so frustrating about this is that, the political we, – we talk about the political um, feel of our country right now and how it's so polarized. And you – right now you can blatantly see the game being played, right, where you have – and it's not just Republicans. I'm not going to say that, but I will use this as an example right now is that you see Republicans – spewing the idea that Joe Biden is screwing up the country because of look at the gas prices, right? He's not, he's not doing anything about the gas prices. Well, they're trying to do something with this bill and every single one of you are going against it for whatever that reason may be, whether it be political or if there's actually a reason in the bill that we don't know about that you don't agree with. If it's something you don't agree with, you know what? Fine. I get that. I understand. But if you're doing it for the game to say, I'm going to go against this because it's party line and it's going to help me feel the fire of the rhetoric I'm trying to say, that's what makes me mad. And we see this and act like – and we're just immune to it. I mean it was the same thing with the baby uh, yeah. formula shortage of how, okay, well then obviously this is an issue that we need to correct. 
um, then we're going to authorize that we can get baby formula from foreign countries and then use in the United States because we're having a shortage. Yep. And Democrats were all on board and Republicans said no. And then they continue to cry about how well the government and Biden's not doing anything because we don't have baby formula. And it's like, well, that's horseshit trying to do something. You're just trying to also block it. So this bill in general, I read through it a little bit and has a couple of paragraphs I want to highlight. Um, it says that it shall be unlawful for any person to sell at wholesale or at retail in an area and during a period of an international crisis affecting the oil markets proclaimed under paragraph two, gasoline or any other petroleum uh, distillate covered by a proclamation issue under paragraph two um, at a price that is unconscionably excessive, meaning it's just way too high, uh, and indicates that the seller is taking unfair advantage of the circumstances related to the international crisis to increase prices unreasonably. So that's the first paragraph. The second paragraph that was referenced talks about just the uh, Energy Emergency Proclamation. So in general, the president may issue a proclamation of an international crisis affecting the oil markets and may designate any area within the jurisdiction of the United States, including the entire United States, where the prohibition in paragraph one shall apply. The proclamation shall state that uh, geographic area covered, the gasoline or the petroleum desolate covered, and the time period at such proclamation shall be in effect. So what it's saying essentially is that the president at any point can make a proclamation during an emergency like an international crisis to say that... um, there's going to be a duration of when you're allowed to charge basically freely at will how much you need to in order to keep your company alive. After that certain point, we're going to cap it, stop it for a certain period of time as well, and then I can keep renewing that proclamation if the international crisis continues. So um, the proclamation, it says, cannot be up for a period more than 30 consecutive days. So you can do 30 days, one day off, next 30 days. It can kind of keep happening as long as it needs to, um, but cannot be renewed as such of consecutive periods, um, does not exceed 30 days as the president determines appropriate, and may include a period of time to not exceed one week preceding a reasonably foreseeable emergency. So it's a good system in my mind of like, well, obviously if it's being seen that it's taking advantage of Americans just to, again, line your own pockets and make as much profit as you can using the, a crisis as a reason to do so, that's not ethical or moral. So the president should be able to step in and try to cap that as much as possible. Um, this bill will be enacted and enforced by the Federal Trade Commission Um, where then they will basically do investigation on different companies and do civil penalties or um, fines for violating this bill during a crisis and stuff like that. So I think it's pretty good. Um, The companies themselves could also face criminal penalties if they continue to violate any of these sections underneath this bill. Um, And then they can be prosecuted by the Attorney General of the Justice Department. So the highest court or the highest legal law enforcement agency in the country can take action against a company if they're being seen to use this for their own 
personal reasons. So I thought that was a pretty good bill. Again, it's uh, unfortunate that it's on party lines, but what else can you do? <laughs> um, also, White House interns are now going to get paid for good. the first time ever. Um, the interns will be paid $750 per week via stipend. Um, and then to me, interns not getting paid makes no fucking sense because they're still working. They are. Um, I just put this in here and I know it's obviously if you're an intern, it's not your full, it's not a job job. You're not doing it every year consistently or continuously. Um, but that's more than I make per week as a teacher, $750 per week for that. Um, they are expected to work at least 35 hours per week, um, and that would bring in an hourly rate of $21.43 per hour. Um, the stipends are distributed in two installments, where the participants will receive the first payment at or around the start of the program, and then the final payment after the successful completion of the program. Uh, the internship runs from September 12th through December 16th of every year. Um, it's open for current college students, those who have graduated within two years, or veterans uh, with a high school diploma who have served in active duty within the last uh, two years. Um, the inter internships will be funded through the provision of the White House internships um, tucked into the massive government funding bill passed earlier this year. So interns are getting paid, which is always good. I mean, again, I'm sure they're doing more than 35 hours per week. They're an intern. Like, and there's plenty of people to work for at the White House. So, uh, last thing for politics is a little January 6th uh, commission update where former President Donald Trump on Monday did respond um, in a 12 page statement about the uh, House of Representatives ongoing committee and their hearings that they've held publicly. Um, he is saying, of course, that the panel is illegitimate and their presentation is only one-sided, uh, but then ref does not actually refute any of their evidence, which I think is kind of odd. Um, and then he reiterates that the same baseless claims uh, that the 2020 presidential election was unfair and it was rigged um, and that uh, he did not attempt a coup in his actions on that day. Um, he also claims that the committee is a smoke and mirror show. Uh, pretty much the same thing that he's given in any of his rallies, I'm sure, since he was booted out of office. Um, he does have numerous legal challenges that have kind of gone up through audits in different states and investigations in the wake of the 2020 election that have discovered no pattern of widespread issues. Um, likewise, both local election officials across the country, both Democrats and Republicans, said that the fraud claims were without merit. So even people on his own side of the line are saying this is horseshit. Um, even his former attorney, um, not attorney, his former head of Department of Justice, Bill Barr, during the January 6th committee interviews, stated that uh, his team found no evidence of extensive fraud. Uh, and he described how he felt about Trump's increasing focus on these such claims, telling the investigators uh, he's become detached from reality if he really believes this stuff. So that's one, I mean, that's the guy that he chose to be the legal arm of his cabinet and is saying that, no, this guy is detached from reality. 
So I thought that was pretty interesting. And then kind of an opinion correspondent, Rachel Marston, gave a pretty good perspective in one of her op-eds that she wrote. Um, just kind of like the overall problems that she views in her mind beyond just obviously what Trump and his uh, compatriots or whatever you want to call them in his own group had done on January 6th to kind of overthrow the election results. Um, but kind of the more underlying issue of why this one was allowed to happen. So she asked the question, what drove so many people to get riled up by the idea of election fraud? She says that a breakdown of trust in American institutions is largely responsible for driving um, this incident. If people were confident that elected officials and the system itself were reliable, then Trump could uh, have ranted and raved about the alleged stolen election all he wanted, and everyone would just have to chalk it up to him being a sore loser with a big ego. So if people had actual you know, institutional faith in how we do things, it seems like that this would not have won. She also says that he probably wouldn't have even been president. That's kind of how our system is supposed to be set up, where demagogues aren't elected just because you can rile them up and create issues out of thin air. And then two, this insurrection wouldn't have happened because if you actually believe that the election was fair, then there's no reason for people to get all riled up, storm the Capitol, and try to kill senators, House members, try to find Mike Pence so you can kill him because he's not going along with Trump, all that stuff. Just because if you have faith in our country, then it's obviously not going to be an issue. Um, she also says that according to a recently released annual democracy uh, perception index of attitudes around the world about the state of democracy, 63% of Americans feel that their government usually acts in the interest of a small group of people in the country. Uh, just 32% of Americans feel that everyone in my country can freely express their opinion on political and social topics. I guess we're part of that 32%. <laughs> that we believe that they can freely do it? Yeah. I mean, we're doing it. So obviously we would be in the 32% that we can freely talk about it. If that's what we're doing. Yeah. Uh, also, 31% believe that the political leaders in my country are elected in free and fair elections. So less than a third of people think that even their own people that they elect are elected in a free election. Which is odd. I mean, if you put that into a national perspective, that means like less than one-third of Iowans believe that Joni Ernst and Chuck Rassley are elected fairly. I don't know. I don't get that. I don't know if that makes much sense to me. Huh. Um, 63% say that election fraud is a threat to democracy, uh, with 78% saying that uh, some same thing about corruption being an issue as well. Meanwhile, only 49% of Americans surveyed agree that their country is democratic. It's less than 50%. And I find those numbers interesting, especially being a numbers guy. But the one thing that I will say is that sometimes those questions can be misleading. Oh, for 100%. 100%. I mean, just yes. look at the last – one of the last few you said was about um, – what was that 61% one? Um. There was a 63%. Yeah, that one. 63% of Americans feel that their government usually acts in the interest of the small group of people. Oh, no. It was, it was one of these other ones where it was about how – give me one of those last three. I can't remember the name. 63% uh, say that election fraud is a threat that, to democracy. 
Of course, election fraud is a threat to democracy. But the question should be, do you think it's happening? Geared towards do you think it's actually happening? Right. Yeah. Because the, the question itself, is election fraud a threat? Fuck yeah, it's a threat. But is it actually happening? Do that, you believe that election fraud is actually happening in this country? That is, that's interesting perspective they threw on that because if you were to look at it as that of like, is election fraud a threat to democracy and only 63% of people say it is, that means 37% of people think, no, it's not a threat. Right. <laughs> 37% of people think, oh, no, it's okay. Election fraud is good. So it, that's my only issue with polls like this is that what is that question actually trying to ask? True. So, those numbers are are interesting, but it also is interesting depending on what the question is actually supposed to be. Yeah. I mean, the I want to say, what did she say? The results of these surveys were conducted by a think tank that were helmed by former Secretary General of NATO and Danish Prime Minister Anders Fogh Rasmussen, um, who strongly suggests a serious problem of which the events of January 6th are merely sim- uh, symptomatic of what is Trump, Donald Trump's actual election. So he's saying that he was elected because of these symptoms that were already being right. seen throughout American elections prior to Trump that are now just being obviously expressed out in the open. Yeah. All right. Finishing up there, politics. Moving into just basic news events, <laughs> things around our area or just things that we found interesting. Um, here in Waterloo, Iowa, we have a... Awesome it, fucking water park. It, yeah, it was now it was a water park. Now it's a theme park. Well, it's it's both. So it started as a water park. Lost Island had closed. I think the last couple of seasons. I think it was just last season. Uh, was it just last season? It was definitely last season, but it, may, it might have been two. Um, and they have recently reopened just yesterday for the first time. They're not fully open. They still have some things that they're trying to work on to get the park fully open. But yeah, and they what, have some staff shortages. What they're doing is they're transitioning from just being a water-based park to having a theme park where they actually have other rides that are non-water-based. Um, like roller coasters. Like roller coasters, Ferris wheels, that kind of stuff, which I think is great. I mean, I've been to Lost Island several times, um, and I remember as a kid being really awesome and then going as more of an adult, and I'm like, eh. It's, but it's still it's, awesome because they're making better. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like it was it was okay as I was adult before they started adding these other themes to it. Yeah. And then I'm like, okay, yeah, it's still the same water park as a kid. Like it's still kind of fun, but you still get kind of yeah about it after a while when you're 22 or whatever. But this, I think, is going to be a huge thing of like adding other things that's going to make it more of an experience than just being oh I have, I'm going to have to bring my trunks. Right. I don't have to just bring my trunks. I can also just bring normal shorts and go ride other things. And it's going to bring money to the city, which is going to be nice. Yeah. Um, so their uh, general manager, Eric Birch, said that whether it, the reason why it's a delayed opening is whether it was a failure to meet state inspections or fencing or ports not being accessible because of the supply chain issues. Also, like you said, uh, they have to hire people to actually work there. And if they're not having people actually come in to apply, then they can't have as many staff on hand. Um, so hopefully they can get it fully open before the summer's end. I know that's obviously their goal. Uh, also in news is that Apple workers have unionized, not all of them, but in certain locations. Um, 
An Apple Store employees in Baltimore suburb voted to unionize by a nearly two-to-one margin, joining a uh, growing push across the United States in retail services and tech industries to organize for greater workplace protections. Um, the, the specific union uh, joined the International Association of Mechanists and Aerospace Workers. Um, Union organizing in a variety of fields has gained momentum recently after membership in unions have been declining in the U.S. for several decades now. So they seem to be on the rise. Um, organizers have uh, worked to establish unions at companies including Amazon, Starbucks, uh, Outdoors, a retailer REI, and then Google parent company Alphabet, um, where Amazon workers in different warehouses in New York City voted to unionize successfully. Um, Starbucks also recently, dozens of U.S. Uh, locations have voted to unionize in recent months after the uh, first two Buffalo, New York stores voted to unionize last year. So, um, though I am not part of the teachers union for my job, I do get the union benefits of having, obviously, protections for working conditions, um, staff relations, all that kind of stuff. Um, so I do think the union is important and I think they do serve, Unions are important. they do, Absolutely. they do serve, uh, uh, great things for workers in general as a good kind of in between, between management and then the workers themselves, um, fighting for different rights and benefits. So, yeah, I mean, as a business person, unions can be a hassle, but as a, just a normal person, man, unions are great. Yeah. We're going to move into rapid fire news and I'm just going to spew off three different articles really quick. Just giving you the base information from the articles that I read. You can decide from your own mind what you want to believe or not, but these are the facts that I got from the article. So we'll just go ahead. First one is about voter fraud. So Nevada Republican party cried, uh, refute, uh, refuted baseless allegations of voter fraud from losing Republican gubernatorial primary candidate Joey Gilbert. He is down by 10% to Joey Lombardo, and he, Joey Gilbert, uh, declared that he would not concede the race and may file a lawsuit to contest it. Uh, the Nevada GOP executive committee who did endorse Gilbert in the primary expressed dismay that he was challenging the results of the primary election, which has showed no evidence of voter fraud. Uh, we talked about this lady uh, a couple weeks ago, but the Jesus Guns Babies lady received only 3.4% of the vote in her race and lost by more than 70% or 70 points, and she claimed voter fraud. And the MyPillow CEO, Mike Lindell, said that there was an unspecified algorithm as to why she uh, was cheated out of votes. Um, so those are the facts that I... Had there, you can believe whatever you may want. Well, I'm going to let you know that the Jesus Guns Babies chick is batshit crazy. I mean, yes. if you lose by 70 points, which is 70%, yes. and you pull in less than 5% total of votes, right. there's no, nothing there. No, you're not being frauded. You're just that bad of a candidate. And that's pretty obvious. Moving on to the next topic Lindsey Graham. Lindsey Graham is a Republican from South Carolina, and he was debating with Bernie Sanders about a bunch of issues on Fox News, and he was quoted by saying, 
Senator Sanders brings Social Security to the floor. All it does is raise taxes. To get out of this mess, people like me are going to have to take a little less and pay a little bit more in. We're going to have to adjust the age one more time like Ronald Reagan and Tip O'Neill did. Sanders then pointed out the lack of disparity between the wealthy and the poor paying into Social Security by saying, let's ask the American people whether they think it makes sense that somebody who makes a million dollars a year or $10 million a year or $100 million a year pays the same amount into Social Security as somebody who makes $127,000 a year. Uh, so Lindsey Graham is saying that uh, Social Security for people need to be paid. Uh, they need to pay more in but take less when they get it. Um, again, those are the facts, and I will move on to the third uh, topic is a World War II museum. So in Granite Falls, Minnesota, has the biggest World War II museum in the Midwest, and it's owned by the Fagan family. They have four hangars with 17 planes, which are all operational, along with exhibits for the Pacific and European theater. They have a German boxcar that was used to transport American POWs and Jews to death camps. They also have a fully restored Japanese Zero War plane, which is just a plane, that was actually featured in the movie Pearl Harbor with Ben Affleck. Cool. Yeah. And if you're fascinated by World War II like I am, um, you have to check this place out. I haven't yet, and I know I'm going to because World War II is just an amazing topic to learn about just in general, especially if you like history. Um, so if you if you like history and you like World War II, try to make it out to Granite Falls, Minnesota. Apparently it's in the middle of nowhere. So just expect that. Um but yeah, that was the rapid fire news. Like I said, take what you want from just the facts that I gave you. Um, now we're actually going to move on to our surprise topics for each other. So mine, I'm going to name as a teacher scandal or naughty teacher. Uh, okay. You getting ready for this? Sure. So a Pasadena school teacher is accused of having two relations with two students. Her name is Melissa Carrillo. And she is 44, and she is charged with two counts of improper relationships with the child. She has apparently sent a picture of herself to a student after the student asked for one. I don't know how old that student was. Her and a 17-year-old had exchanged sexual texts, and the 17-year-old had placed her his hand on her butt after meeting in the classroom and hugged her. I don't know what's going on here with... I, I read these articles, right? And I'm like, oh, this... I, I picked these out specifically because I'm like, oh, these are like movies and TV shows and shit that doesn't happen. But it does happen. It's just, like The Graduate. Right. It's just <laughs> like... You know, if it's... If it's college, right? And they're two adults, is it ethically right? No. no. Because it's at the time, it's a professor and their student. Yes. Now... Me personally, if you're if you don't have that student in any of your classes, I don't think that's wrong per se because you're two adults, you can make your own decisions, right? Is it still ethically wrong? Probably because you're a student and a professor at the same university. I'd say the age discrepancy makes a difference too. Like if you are a twenty third let's say thirty year old adjunct professor. Right. And then you start having relations with like a junior who you've never had any of your classes. Right. I don't think that's nearly as bad. It's still not ethically right, in my opinion, because you are still right. supposed to be the educator, mentor, and then mm -hmm. there's obviously a student role, so there's that dynamic. Um, 
But fucking high school teachers, man. That's where for me this one blows my mind because it's you know, I'm all about love who you love and be with who you want to be, but there are lines that need to be drawn. And when there is a 27 year old age gap there, yeah, especially with 17 years, I remember how I was in 17. I'm, I'm, I was sexually charged. Right. And I didn't know really anything. And this is just, it's not only predatory, it's just, Oh yeah. It's predatory. Yeah. What, what as of, as a 40-year-old woman, what is the logic behind going after a 17-year-old boy? I don't get it. I don't I, see, I don't get it either. I don't know how it could be even in the reverse sense, like if it's roles were reverse, right. if it's a male teacher and a female student, that still blows my mind. Yeah. Either way, it's still disgusting and gross. So it's not just morally it's not just ethically wrong because again, you're a certified teacher, professional. Right. That is a student. That is not only your student, but a minor. Mm-hmm. But it's just all mor- morally wrong. You are a predator. That is. Right. I I know personally when I was in high school, like it was like taboo, right? It's like you, there there were guys who would find a teacher attractive. We'd talk about it and be like, oh, hey, that teacher's hot. And if that were to happen, like. Nucks to that 17-year-old. Like, it's it's talked about. It's like, oh, yeah, dude, nice job. But it's still weird. Yeah. The thing that really just blows my mind is that this 44-year-old woman is like, yeah, this is a good idea. What? Yeah. <laughs> I heard a similar story recently of a gal that um, had basically, it, I think it's worse than this story, groomed a child. Yeah. Where she was in her 40s. At the time, I guess she was maybe in her late 30s, had known this kid since he was little in like middle school, had him up all the way through high school, basically groomed him. It's sexual assault at that point. They were doing certain things when he was in high school as a minor underage, and she's obviously in her 40s. And then once he um, graduates, I think they still continue the relationship. And it was found out um, just before he graduated. So... Unfortunately, I don't like hearing this type of stuff because I'm a teacher and it's disgusting to hear that you have a predatory teacher preying on young minors that is very uncomfortable. But, um, yeah, that's that's really fucked up. Surprise. Yeah. Um, mine's kind of funny. Okay. <laughs> um, so a three-year-old dog named Zelda uh, tests positive for... Meth. Lovely. Yeah. So just imagine that uh, vision in your head, just a dog with a rubber band up around its arm, using its dew claw to try to inject itself with meth. Try to imagine that. It's, it's just odd. Um, like, have you ever seen a dog high on weed? Like, they, like, wobble and stuff. And yeah. Those videos are kind of funny, but, like, I couldn't even imagine a dog on meth. Yeah, this is meth. Hardcore shit. Three years old, too. So what's that? 21? Dog That's a years? lot of energy. Yeah. Holy shit. Uh, owner Ryan Dunn knew something was uh, wrong with his dog, Zelda. Started acting after She started acting strange after their walk around their neighborhood. Um, Zelda usually has lots of energy and walks up to six miles a day. After one of her walks, she started acting much differently. He says that she began to move uh, her leg erratically and go, got into more and more complicated situations. Um, she became very frightened for some reason. Dunn then took Zelda to their local vet. 
They screened her urine because they suspected she had some sort of drug effect. They found methamphetamine and amphetamine uh, for uh, two separate things, he said, in her blood system. Uh, Zelda was put on an IV uh, with sedative for more than 36 hours. Um, she will be checked soon for liver damage because obviously any types of hardcore drugs like that for such a small animal can cause a lot of organ uh, damage. So they want to check her liver to see how that was going on later on. Um, Dunn posted to the next door app uh, to warn his neighbors in that certain area. And he says that several People have replied saying that their dogs have also had similar symptoms and similar events happen to them. Uh, so there's a huge reason for concern that for whatever reason in their neighborhood, dogs are just getting high on meth walking around. So Honestly, have you ever seen those movies like Cats and Dogs and like Good Boy where like dogs can talk and yeah, together? Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure they're all getting together at the park and just getting fucked up. You think there's just a dealer? I there's think just a dealer dog in that street in that neighborhood? It's probably like a Rottweiler or something, you know? Actually, no, it's probably like a Chihuahua, one of those innocent dogs, like just getting everyone <laughs> fucked up. The kingpin of the neighborhood. There you go. Meth. <laughs> um, the veterinarian told Dunn that in the past three days, they have had similar cases come in that were written, reported as well. Um, Zelda is at home recovering as of now, so... Kind of funny, but also kind of sad. Like I say, you don't expect your dog to just all of a sudden start acting funny, and you take it into the vet, and they're like, oh, your dog's high on meth. And they're like, what? Your dog, <laughs> your dog comes back from inside the house, and it has all of his friends around him. We need to talk. <laughs> <laughs> we got to talk. This is an intervention. All right. With social events, uh, June is Pride Month, so I'm hoping anyone out there uh, – who's bi, transgender, anything along those lines. Even if you're just an ally, you guys are having a great Pride Month. Um, just stay safe, have fun, enjoy the enjoy the parades that are going around. Today is uh, Father's Day, so happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. It is also uh, Juneteenth. Yeah, today is Juneteenth. So Celebrating the actual ending of slavery in the United States. Well... It owning was, slaves it was not the well yeah that in on top of that when they went down to galveston texas and yep freed the slaves who didn't know about it two years prior um mm -hmm. so happy juneteenth to all the african-americans out there and anyone who celebrates um it just became a national holiday so uh, i get it off for the bank so that's really cool i was but, just gonna say they made it a federal holiday for mm -hmm. banks so happy juneteenth happy father's day and happy pride yeah we're going to move on to entertainment. I got my bad movie plot guesses, so I'm going to try to stump Eric. I have personally what I think is to be five. Okay, well, four really great movies and then one movie that people are up in the air about. So let's see if you get them all, okay? Okay. First one. Big man gets arrested for something he didn't do and performs miracles before being killed. Green Mile. The Green Mile. Yep. Great movie. Mm-hmm. Second one, guy is in the wrong place at the wrong time, but kills a bunch of people to save the day. And that can be said for pretty much every movie. In yeah, the that, can be, that can be said in the franchise. In the franchise. So it's I'll a franchise. A um, oh, um, guy is in the wrong place at the wrong time, but kills a bunch of people to save the day. I'm just going to go with Star Wars. No. Okay. Die Hard. Oh, yeah. 
No, you're very right. <laughs> yep. That, yeah. Oh, gosh. The first three movies, I think, are good. Yes, they are. All right. Super strong drunk flies around and meets his soulmate without knowing she is and then becomes weak when he is close to her. Oh, it's the Will Smith movie. Yep. Uh, Hancock. Yep. Okay. I didn't mind that one that much. I, I thought it was all right. It was okay. All right. So you're two for three so far. Fourth one. Racist man kills a guy, goes to jail, sees the errors of his ways, and tries to convince his brother that being racist is bad. Um, I think it's one that I haven't seen, but I think I know the plot. American X? American History X, yep. American History X, yeah. Great movie. Is that Edward Norton? Seen it. Edward Norton, right? Yep. Okay. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet. It's so good. And last but not least, three people escape prison to go find some treasure when they are actually going to find one of the guy's family. Three guys escape prison to find treasure. Oh, um, does this have Ice Cube in it? Nope. It's not Three Kings? Nope. Oh. Well, I guess they didn't escape prison. They were in the army. What is this one? Oh, brother, where art thou? Oh. Because George Clooney tells the guys that he has treasure. Yeah. He has a lot of money. Yeah. When in actuality, he's just going to try to get his wife from marrying somebody. Oh, yeah. That's good. Did you know that's kind of like a... It's based ba- on the Odyssey. Yeah. Right? Yep. Yeah. Because they see the muses and... Or the sirens and all that. Mm-hmm. So you, you went three for five. That's not bad. That's, I think that's the best. Well, no, you, you've had a three for five, haven't you? Maybe. I don't know. No, because you had a two and a half. That was the highest at that point. So you're at a you're at three. Sweet. Nice job. Uh, other stuff in entertainment is the Umbrella Academy S- season three is premiering June twenty second. I'm super excited. I've only seen the first couple of episodes of season one. Dude, I know it's really good. You gotta and watch I know it. why am I blanking on his name? The lead singer of Yeah. Um, My Chemical, Chemical Romance. Romance. Gerald Way. Gerard Way. Okay. Yeah, he's the one that actually created the comics for this. Yes. So, it well, honestly, one of my favorite things about the show is the music. The music choice in the show is just so good. It's it, because it's not traditional music that people choose, right? It's just it's it's songs that are out there and just different, and you wouldn't have expected to be in a TV show. Yeah. It's just oh man, it's it's such a good show. So I'm excited. I'm going to be benching that. And then my favorite band, I Prevail. They're releasing new music on August 19th of this year, and their new single, Body Bag, is out right now, and I listened to it on my way home, and it was really good. I'm going to add something here I just thought of because you brought up Netflix, is that the new Adam Sandler Netflix movie, Hustle, mm-hmm. have you seen it yet? I have not. I I, I recommend it. Yeah. Um, it has its moments where it feels it's, it's really good, and it kind of lags a little bit in certain areas. Towards the end, there were some points in the movie. I'm like, ah, questionable. I don't know why you have that. Or, man, they really could have done the scene a little bit better. Um, but the overall story is really good. And I personally, I'm obviously biased because I really like Adam Sandler movies. But his performance in it, I thought, was really good. I mean, he is very much into basketball. Oh, yeah. Always has been. So I think this was a very much labor of love on his part. His production company, Happy... Um, Madison. Madison Productions helped uh, make it. So I think he had a pretty good hand in how things were done. But his actual performance in it, I thought was really, really good. So I highly recommend watching that. Plus, there's like 
20-some NBA players that yeah. are in it, scattered throughout. So. Honestly, that's one of the biggest reasons why I want to see it is because I, NBA players aren't, like, the greatest actors, but the fact that he used not only their knowledge, but their love for the game to make it and tie it into the the movie, I think, is really smart. Um, yep. Again, I haven't seen it, but that I, that's as much as I know. So I'm going to see it, and I'll let you know how it was. Uh, we'll move on to our miscellaneous topics now. We're going to touch on a moral dilemma next week. Uh, barring any weird shit from happening to yep. us. Um, yeah, so we're not, we're not stopping this podcast anytime soon. So if we missed a week, there's something for it. If, if there's ever a time where we're going to cut it, we'll let you guys know. And that's why you should follow us at DetentionPod1 at Twitter there because I posted on there that we're probably not going to be doing it for a little bit just for health reasons. So um, if you follow <laughs> us there, you'll be kept up on the news. <laughs> there we go. We're going to move into our unpopular opinions. I had no idea what I wanted to say coming into this. And then I just <laughs> thought of it right on the fly. I just read this now. And I don't know how many people agree with me or disagree with me. Well, but... I agree with you. Okay, good. So my personal unpopular opinion this week is that mullets are disgusting, especially permed mullets. Now I have an uncle that had a permed mullet back in the eighties. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit different. Right. Cause it was the eighties. Right. Are you talking about mullets now or just in general? In general, in the eighties, they were popular, and you know what? Fine, they had their time, but acceptable then, maybe. Kind of, yeah. But now that they're quote unquote coming back, it was a fad for a while. I don't know how popular it still is. Oh, it's still popular in school. As but a teacher, I still see it. They are so gross. The whole idea of business in the front, party in the back. No, you just still look stupid. First <laughs> and foremost, the ones that are like the mohawk mullets are also disgusting. Yeah. And I'm going to pair it with this. I don't know what those are. these are called, but those really stupid, like, rainbow um, visor-looking sunglasses. Oh, yeah. You look so dumb. And I'm seeing it a <laughs> lot here because Iowa is this podunk farmer country, except for X amount of cities where you have some reasonable people living there. Maybe count on one hand. The, those, those glasses in a mullet, personally for me, are already enough birth control that <laughs> they're not going to get laid. But then you have these weird women and men, depending on their sexuality that are attracted by that. And I'm like, why, you know, the sunglasses alone, you know, what? fine. If they had a normal hairstyle, whatever, but a little douchey at that point, you pair it with a mullet. This <laughs> is disgusting. Exponential douche. There. My dad had a mullet when he was, uh, 28-ish my age. Yeah. And my dad was in control of my brother's hair. And luckily for me, my mom was in control of my hair. So there's a picture of my dad, my brother, and I. And those two have mullets. Hmm. And I do not. And I am so thankful for that. Well, it was, uh, obviously, it was out of the military at that point, right? Yes. Yeah. So that, at that point, it was like, oh, fuck it. I can do whatever I want. I'm sure he was like, bring the fucking mullet back. It was disgusting <laughs> i am so thankful for my mom to not let me ever have a mullet because my dad wanted me to have one and my mom said no i love <laughs> my mother for that and for other reasons oh a bunch of other reasons but that's number one you know all right well, that's that's good um my unpopular opinion is that i think pineapple does belong on pizza i agree do you good and not even just in the sense of, like, it only can be, like, Canadian bacon, like a Hawaiian pizza, oh. right? I think it can be on there. I think a really great combo, and I highly recommend trying this out, is doing, like, jalapenos and pineapple. 
I will try everything once. But my issue is I my girlfriend's that. allergic to pineapple. I know. So you can't necessarily do it unless you have a few days of non-exposure to her <laughs> um, to just be safe to make sure that she doesn't get uh, dead. Dead. <laughs> she doesn't die it, from it's it. It's that bad. It's that bad. Of it the, is that bad. Okay. But, um, yeah, I think it, it, it does belong on pizza. It's not horrible. I mean, like I said, with the, having it with uh, jalapenos, it, you do get that kind of sweet, sweet and spicy, spicy. Yep. Um, where even if the jalapenos aren't, terribly spicy if the pineapple's been kind of around it 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 can one it's not going to help negate the spicy so it's Mm -hmm. only going to make it a little bit spicier in my opinion um if it's cooked right then it's not going to be making the pizza soggy which is i think a number one reason why people don't like it is that you're adding kind of a fruit cold item to a hot dish and that because of that it's going to make it soggy but if you do it right it shouldn't be right you add the pineapple yeah after the pizza's cooked and then it's still cold yeah. and it won't sog it yeah it's fine it i think it's fine and it does even with canadian bacon it adds a good again salty sweet it has a good combination with a lot of different things um i don't get the hate on it personally i don't know why so many people are like oh fuck no it doesn't belong on pizza well, but we like, also like nickelback so there's something wrong with this you know there is something fucked up in the head on ours <laughs> i think so i mean we're not 100 percent right so you know i i honestly i have to congratulate you because i think this is the first time you've had an unpopular opinion where you didn't do research. 100%. I did not do research. I am so proud of you. I don't know how you could research it. Be like... I don't know. What percentage of people like it kind of thing? I don't know. Again. I, it probably I, wouldn't support you. But. No. I, w- I just made this one a few weeks ago. I'm just like, you know what? I think I can just talk about how it's just good pairing with different flavors. <laughs> and I think that's good enough reason to like it. Uh, so we ask you guys for feedback all the time. And we got some. And we took it into consideration, and so one of the one of the feedback uh, items that we got was that we are too monotone and that our voices sound too similar. I don't know how we can make our voices sound dissimilar from each other if that's actually the case, but we can make sure that we're not as monotone. Um, so I I think I like to talk with enough influx in my voice, and I think part of the reason too is when we read stuff, it becomes monotone. I noticed that for me today as I was thinking, just thinking in my head of like, yeah, I am just reading this and it doesn't have much inflection. Yeah. So that is obviously has to work on too. Yeah. So but, we'll try to be better about that and make it a little bit more entertaining. So it's not just stagnant, especially when you're driving and then you start to fall asleep because we have just monotone voices. So we're, we'll try to work on that. Um, but another one is what we actually put into effect today was that, um, alternating dad jokes because again with that transition it is a little awkward so we'll just try to make it one dad joke and we just have to work on our transitions just in general um i'll take these feedback uh more to heart than the <laughs> don't spoil it <laughs> eric where you know You're right yeah whatever it's been out for a while fuck you <laughs> <laughs> Um, before we do this day in history, I just want to give you guys a little bit of a preview of what we want to talk about next week. Uh, we did say we're going to do a moral dilemma. I'm not going to tell you what that's about. We'll just let it be a surprise. But, uh, next week for basketball is what we have right now is again, we'll cover the NBA draft. Uh, but we're also going to do a little bit of a debate between LeBron and, uh, Steph Curry's, uh, legacy in the NBA right now. And mainly is Steph on the same level as LeBron? Is he past him? Is he behind him? So we'll talk about that. Um, I actually want to get into uh, 
kind of how Eric and I met and just talk about our relationship a little bit, just because uh, you you might know that we met in college, but just kind of how our relationship flourished. Uh, so I think it'd be interesting to talk about that. But beyond that, we don't really know at this point. So I'll let Eric touch on this day in history and we'll wrap up. All right. So for this day in history, June 19th, uh, starting from the earliest, going back to the furthest in time, uh, 1991, Colombian drug lord Pablo Escobar surrenders to police. Uh, and then jumping way back and going with Juneteenth here in 1865, um, Union General Gordon Granger declares slaves are free in Texas. Uh, now that the date of end of slavery is celebrated across the United States, United States as Juneteenth. Um, Reason why he had to go into uh, Texas specifically to free the slaves and declare that they were free was that three years previously in the Emancipation Proclamation, uh, Abraham Lincoln said that um, all slaves were free in the rebelling states, not just in the United States at the time in general, but in the rebelling states. So in 1862, uh, slavery was also outlawed in all U.S. territories. So not just states that were rebelling, but all U.S. territories. So then obviously three years later when the Civil War is over and slaves are supposed to be emancipated and free anyway, that's why you have Juneteenth of going down and actually freeing slaves in Texas who did not know anything was happening because they don't have social media like they do now. <laughs> they don't have any of the news stations, so obviously someone had to go tell them. And then going way, way back, in 1306, the Earl of Pembroke's army defeats Robert the Bruce's Scottish army at the Battle of Methven. So this is doing, like, William Wallace, you know, in Braveheart, where you have uh, Robert of Bruce um, as the Scottish king trying to uh, beat the British out of Scotland. Um, this is a major battle that took place where he was actually defeated. Um, I think... Shortly thereafter, three years later, he would actually be killed in a different battle. So, Scottish independence, free Scotland. Let's go. Uh, and then famous birthdays. Boris Johnson, the British Prime Minister, has birthday today. Uh, Macklemore, the singer-songwriter from uh, Seattle, uh, Washington. Jordan Poole, who NBA player and now won a NBA championship. Uh, played for Michigan. He is, I got a birthday today. Dirk Nowitzki, also an NBA player. Uh, Zoe Zeldania, the actress, uh, best known, I guess, now for Guardians of the Galaxy movies. As Gamora. As Gamora, yep. And then the singer Paula Abdul has a birthday today. Very eventful day. I know. <laughs> All right, so um, that's it for this week's episode of the Detention Podcast. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, again, I plugged it earlier. Please follow us on Twitter at DetentionPod1, uh, or you can send us an email at DetentionPodcast1 at gmail.com to give us feedback for our episodes. You can listen to the, det the Detention Podcast on Anchor, Spotify, uh, and Apple Podcasts. We do want to say we do appreciate your guys' patience with us over the past two weeks. Uh, I'm sorry that I contracted the Rona and Eric had to leave. So uh, we do appreciate your patience and Thank you for waiting. Yep. I forgive you, by the way. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> All right. And with that, uh, your detention has been served. Uh, we will see you again next week.